welcome back to Bad Movie Sunday. I'm Ashley. I'm Amy. And I'm the guest, Faye. Faye is back with us this episode. We had her on when we did the first Kissing Booth movie. So now you're back to talk about the second one. We brought you on to the first movie because you and Amy had both read the books. Uh, well, that's in quotation. The books for the Kissing Booth that were on Wattpad. Um, did you read the second one? So the second one, I think the second one is very recent. Like I think it came out a few years ago. I haven't read it because I didn't know it existed for the longest time. But I believe she also wrote a couple of short stories in between, uh, which I also didn't read. So I'm not as much of an expert as I used to be. You know what? That's fair. I think if you read the first Kissing Booth, I don't know that there'd be many people that are like, you know what? I want to, I want that again. So, uh, I get you. <laughs> Amy, did you read any of the other ones? I only read the first, uh, Wattpad story. I don't know how different it is from the actual published book. But yeah, Faye is right. The second book only came out January of 2020, which pretty recently, considering the Wapas story came out like five or six years ago. And then, you know, there are other published stories to um, the Beach House. There's the Kissing Booth colon road trip. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A rich Kissing wow. Booth lore to explore here. Uh, uh, two kissing, two booths. <laughs> Kissing Booth 3, Tokyo Drift? Ooh, waiting for all these sequels. <laughs> so if you have not seen the first Kissing Booth, you can listen to our... It was one of, one of the first episodes we released, I think, on this podcast, like, ever. Hopefully we've improved a little since then, but uh, if you're interested in the story from that, you can go listen to our thoughts on it from our first Kissing Booth episode. Otherwise, uh, we have a little bit of a recap that will tell you what happened in the first movie. Oh, and also, <laughs> we are Bad Movie Sunday. We watch bad movies so you don't have to. We roast them. We toast them. And we're going to have a lot of fun. This is our second season, our first sequel ever that we're doing on this podcast, and I'm excited. And I know we, we kind of ripped the first one to shreds, but this is our second season. We're trying to bring in movies that we actually are excited about. And in some weird way, I was excited about this one coming into it. Yeah, it's a different energy doing a sequel because you're kind of familiar with the characters, the setting, the story a little bit. To be fair, this movie was exactly the first movie, just slightly different. <laughs> So if you haven't seen the first movie, we do have a summary so that you can get familiar with it. By the way, uh, this summary is coming from the cinemaholic.com. You can just look up uh, Kissing Booth 1 recap and it's the first thing to come up. Elle and Lee were born on the same day. Their mothers had been best friends due to which they too developed a close friendship. In their sibling-like relationship, they created a set of ground rules that both of them would have to follow for the rest of their lives. The most important of these rules is to not date each other's relatives. Lee's elder brother Noah is especially off-limits. Despite this fact, Elle develops a crush on Noah, and that's what leads to all the trouble. At school, Elle and Lee propose to set up a kissing booth for the fundraiser. Elle tells Lee that Noah kissed her on the booth, 
but assures him that it meant nothing to her and it was simply for charity. For the next couple of months, they keep seeing each other in secret because she doesn't want her friendship with Lee to be affected. After fighting, Lee realizes that he's responsible for Elle's unhappiness and decides to help her find Noah, who has already left for the airport to go to Harvard. The couple spends the following week together, and Noah eventually leaves for college. Elle worries if her relationship will survive for long. No matter what the future brings for her, she knows that she will always have a place in her heart for Noah. This foreshadows a plot for the sequel where their relationship stands the test of distance and time. That's not the full summary, but you can find the full one uh, in the article that I just mentioned. Yeah, we took out some of the little details, like it was raining and she cut her thumb or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and, yeah, that and, and Tuppin, oh, the most important character in this entire uh, story arc. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't. Uh, seen the movie, Tuppen is arguably the, the best character. Um, we're waiting for the Tuppen spinoff, actually. If they're not going to produce it, maybe we will. <laughs> we produce shows that so you don't have to. <laughs> uh, but that, that last sort of paragraph that Amy mentioned, the cinemaholic.com mentioned that it is kind of the setup for this sequel movie. Um, it's more exactly the plot of this sequel movie. And, uh, yeah, so the whole sort of premise of the kissing booth revolves around these two friends that make a list of rules for their friendship, which is kind of insane, <laughs> but they do. And the first book or movie is kind of based around the idea that they can't date each other's siblings, but one of them does. And this book is more, it's also based around that, but it more so touches on another rule, which is that the two best friends have to go to the same college together, which, you know, I never thought about college at like six years old, you know what I mean? Oh, when they made this list. But that's basically the summary of the first. You're all cut up. You're all cut up now. Yeah, you're welcome. You don't have to go back and watch that first movie. Um, <laughs> I was listening to our uh, very first episode for Kissing Booth 1, and... Thank God I did, because I would not want to go back and see the first one again. Now that, you know, you're all ready for Kissing Booth 2, KB Baby, <laughs> I got a summary here for this movie. Um, it's from IMDb. It's only two sentences long. In the sequel to 2018's The Kissing Booth, high school senior Elle juggles a long-distance relationship with her dreamy boyfriend Noah college applications, and a new friendship with a handsome classmate that could change everything. Which is already, you know, sort of what we mentioned. And as always, every episode we have a special drink that you can make. We have a drinking game to go along with it to make these movies a little bit more fun to watch. Or you can drink along to our podcast if you don't want to actually watch the movie. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, who knows? Up to you if it's your kind of thing. Amy, what's the drink we have uh, prepared for the people today? So for the first uh, Kissing Booth episode, I went back, revisited, we did the angel's kiss for the drink. Well, today, we're going to do the devil's kiss <laughs> for our drink. Oh, we love character development, full circle, foreshadowing, all the literary devices. <laughs> uh, onomatopoeia, that one doesn't work, but it's fun to say. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of onomatopoeia in this movie. Um <laughs> I'm not sure how you're going to feel about this drink uh, as soon as I list the ingredients, but 
we'll see. If you're going to get through this movie, you're going to need a little kick. There are a lot of variations of this drink. The one that I'm going to read to you right now is from tipsybartender.com. What you need is one and a half ounces of tequila, a third of an ounce orange liqueur, one ounce of lime juice, two ounces of orange juice, a third of an ounce agave nectar, three red chilies, and then for your garnish, (laughs) I see the face you're making, Ashley, I know. Um, And for your garnish, you're going to need sugar, salt, and chili powder. So what you do is you rim the edge of the glass using sugar, salt, and chili powder. Set that aside for now. In a shaking glass, combine ice, one chili, tequila, orange liqueur, lime juice, orange juice, and agave nectar. Shake well, strain into a, a glass over ice and garnish with your chilies so they look like devil horns, so they kind of stick out. Yep, that's our drink! Well, I can definitely see why that's uh, called the devil's kiss. You're going to be uh, uh, puckering for days after that <laughs> very spicy <laughs> drink. I, I think- don't know that I've ever had a drink before and have been like, hmm, that's spicy. <laughs> It sounds as difficult to drink as this movie was difficult to watch. Oh my god, so true. You know what? Beautiful job on the drink. Uh, does a, <laughs> such a good job of, of getting the spirit of this movie. As we said before, to go along with that, we have a couple points to a drinking game that you can drink along to, either to the movie if you're going to watch it, or to our podcast. We're going to go back and forth, and you can pick a couple, I'd say, to do, because a lot of these happen pretty often and if you're doing that a uh, devil's kiss drink you are gonna have steam come out of your ears you're gonna have the tongue on fire all the cartoon things that, that happen with spicy food so my first point is every time someone plays dance dance revolution um i have every time lee or l mention one of their friendship rules I don't know if this one's for the movie. This one might be more of the podcast because I will be exclusively referring to Marco as MVP, uh, the new character Marco. <laughs> okay, every time Faye refers to Marco as MVP. Uh, one of mine was, was already mentioned, so the last one that I have is anytime two people kiss. Another good one. I have every time you see a piece of Harvard merch. I don't know how often this happens. Maybe I'm thinking it happens more than it does, but anytime that Lee lies to Rachel... Oh, that's good. That's really good. Okay. So now that you have, uh, you snuggled up with that excruciating sounding drink, uh, a couple of points to drink along to. Now we're going to get into the movie scene by scene and break it down for you. So this movie starts off exactly where the last movie left off, like the scene. And it fills us in on what all the characters have been up. Well, it fills us in on what our two main characters have been up to since then. Elle and Noah are kind of in a long-distance relationship now because Noah's at Harvard, whereas Elle is in her last year of high school right now, which we're still unclear how Noah got into Harvard and what he's studying. We were we all uh, watched this movie in a Netflix party <laughs> like the day it came out, and uh, we were asking that the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, there's the occasional shot of him, like, in a library, but he's not even studying when he's in a library. Yeah, even in the last movie, I, I don't remember if, if we mentioned, but I'm pretty sure we were, we were talking about how 
did Noah possibly get into Harvard? You know, he doesn't seem, I don't want to say he doesn't seem the type, but he literally is never shown doing anything academic. <laughs> and I think he, he actively got into trouble at school. Like, I'm pretty sure he has a record of detention and suspension, maybe? Like, okay, Harvard. Yeah, because I, I remember we mentioned in the first podcast we did that there was a point where Noah was almost expelled because he, he just goes around punching people, like, for no reason. Yeah, uh, Harvard, I guess, has really lowered their standards during uh, Miss Rona, I guess. They just, you know, are really wanting people to, to come to their school. <laughs> yeah, the couple has been doing a whole bunch of things, having fun, but in the end... Noah went off to college, Elle stayed behind, so now they're in a long-distance relationship. So the beginning of the movie, we were talking about this while we were watching it, but it's kind of paralleling the beginning. Oh, 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 uh, movie directors, take notes. There's such a... <laughs> it's paralleling the um, plot points of the first movie, because it, it starts off the same way. They even do the exact same things at school that they did in the first movie. It, her first day... I can't remember what grade she was in grade 11, I think, in the last movie. Um, in this movie, she's in grade 12. But her first day is basically the same as it was uh, in the last movie. Like, beat for beat. She's got a short skirt on. She's meeting the OMG girls, which are, like, the popular girls in the school. They give her their kissing booth presentation, where they pitch the pissing booth. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to say. <laughs> the kissing booth is the third movie. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> we could make something of this. The pissing booth. <laughs> you let off all your steam. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, turn it into a contest. Who has, like, the, the longest stream, maybe? <gasps> the most powerful stream. You could give off different <laughs> uh, rewards, different tiers. Noah versus Marco. Instead of, like, a fight to the death for Elle, it's literally a pissing contest. <laughs> wait, wait, a, wait a minute. <laughs> Take notes, Netflix. Oh, my God. I know you already filmed the third movie, but maybe consider rewriting it. Yeah, they yeah, can just Netflix. <laughs> dub Honest. over every time they say kiss with piss. Uh, oh, my God. Yes. Love that idea. <laughs> just like, uh, you know, those like, I don't know what, like not an optical illusion, but like audio illusions where like it shows like a video of someone saying like no or something, but like. Based on the audio, they could be saying no or bow or low or whatever. And it's just like you hear what you want because of what it, they show on screen. You know what I mean? They could just do that. Just dub over. Oh, having a pissing contest today. Anyone coming to our pissing? Oh, hey, hey, Marco, you want to you want to be the lead pisser in our pissing booth? Oh, my God. You know how um, for some reason, whenever there's a kissing booth, in these movies, everybody in the school is crowding around to watch, right? Is this gonna stay the same for Kissing Booth 3 colon the Pissing Booth? Oh my god, I think it's gotta. Maybe, maybe Pissing Booth 3 is a little bit more R-rated. We gotta really get in there, you know? <laughs> Unless we're gonna pull some, they're turned a little to the side. Just see that stream, you know? But yeah, I think uh, these movies always have a, a weird amount of people in a crowd watching people do stuff. I think that would be a much more entertaining story. <laughs> like, I would really love it if they kept the same set, you know, like the theater red curtain. 
I just like taped like a piece of paper with the letter P over the the lights of the K. <laughs> I love it. Instead of uh, the blindfolded kissing in the middle, it's just like a fire hydrant. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're still blindfolded. They have to aim into wherever a bucket, let's say. Oh, that's good. I like I like the idea of different feats of strength. You know, you got the uh, the accuracy medal. So who can get it straight in the in the bucket in the bottle? Uh, you got the power meter. So it's like one of those things at carnivals where you got to knock over some bottles with some balls, except you're using your balls. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's how it works, but. <laughs> No, no, this is a good idea, and we're going to roll with it. Netflix, if you need more ideas like this one, please do not hesitate to call us. So Elle and Lee very disappointingly pitch another kissing booth this year for their fundraiser thing instead of what could have been arguably a much more profitable and entertaining idea. But, you know, it's up to them. And also, as we kind of said, the kind of main plot line running through this is Elle applying to colleges and trying to figure out what college she wants to go to. Because the rule that she made with Lee, they're like one of their friendship rules, um, was that they were both going to go to Berkeley together. And she talks to Noah a little and she starts to kind of doubt that because she's really missing Noah. They're in a long distance relationship and Noah goes to Harvard and he's like, you know, you could just apply to some Boston schools, maybe Harvard and see where it goes from there. And I was like, Hmm, hadn't thought of that before, but maybe a good idea. Yeah. Um, and the whole time she's worried that she's not going to get into Harvard, which Girl, I mean, if no one can get into Harvard, anyone can get into Harvard. As we said, he doesn't have the best school track record. We also don't really know what Elle or Lee are studying or what's on their resume, because I guess they're both co-captains of the dance team, but it's like Dance Dance Revolution team is not a classically trained dance. I don't know if they do performances or just hang out at the arcade and play DDR because we've never seen like we've never seen the dance team quote-unquote that they're captain of like any other member other than those two yeah I think her resume looks really good on paper and then when she actually explains it they have a little scene like that in the movie where she's talking to her academic advisor and he's like oh what extracurriculars have you done and she's like I started a podcast and we were like we did that (laughs) And he's like, oh, how many listeners do you have? And she's like, 37. And the advisor's like, 37,000? That's that's great. We can work with that. We can get... And she's like, no, no uh, 37. <laughs> and I'm us too! Good thing we already got into university, because uh, the, the amount of listeners on this podcast, not impressive at all. Although I will say, I don't know if you checked our stats lately, but... One person from Virginia just downloaded all of our episodes. Pretty impressive. So now we have uh, two listeners. Thank you, person from Virginia. Very much appreciated. This is a special shout out for you, person from Virginia. I messaged Amy like a, a couple days ago because I went into our email 
and I found an email from someone <laughs> being like, oh my god, hi, Bad Movie Sunday, I'm such a big fan, I love your episodes, here's some ideas for uh, movies you could talk about, and I messaged Amy right away, I'm like, oh my god, we have a fan, this is so exciting, and then Amy messages back, and she's like, oh yeah, yeah, exciting, um, that's my sister. <laughs> <laughs> Our biggest fan, my sister, second biggest fan, random person from Virginia, third possibly biggest fan, the person from Michigan who downloads every episode, I think, could be just a smattering of people from Michigan. But every time we release an episode, there's one listen from Michigan. It doesn't tell us if they're the same person or not. But I have a feeling. Shout out to the entire, shout out to all of Michigan. <laughs> Thank you, the entirety of Michigan. For anyone listening to our podcast, that we appreciate it very much. Yeah, forget Marco. You guys are the real MVP. Wait, there's oh, Michigan, yeah. there's Virginia. What's, what's the P stand for? Pennsylvania? Ooh, uh, maybe. Poland? Poland? <laughs> oh, Peru's good too. We're just naming countries right now. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of... Marco, uh, if you haven't seen this movie, we can, we've been talking about him a little bit. Here's where he gets introduced. Basically, Marco is the new guy in Elle's school. He's super hot. Elle makes it very clear when she accidentally turns the intercom on and describes him in depth to the entire school unknowingly. Which they had to, I mean, the first movie, uh, let's say embarrasses Elle quite a bit. Usually it involves her stripping for some reason, but in this movie, they dialed back the stripping, which was very nice, but they had to get in some sort of embarrassing moments for her. So here she just, you know, just goes off on the intercom. Because this random girl who was in the first movie for five seconds, apparently, I did not recognize her. I had to see a TikTok about it, (laughs) but, uh, she shows Elle a picture of Marco's abs or something, and Elle's like, oh my god, I don't know if I want to bite it or lick it or whatever. And just, like, to the whole school, for the whole school to hear, the teachers, the janitors, all of her peers listening in, Marco himself, like, yep, she must be talking about me. And here's the thing, though, is uh, afterwards... The whole school is, like, pointing at her and being like, oh, get it, girl, because she said that she that, that he can get it. I don't know. I mean, I think even if some of my friends got up on the PA system and uh, started talking about what... I mean, I can barely recognize faces. I'm not <laughs> great at recognizing voices, you know? Like, how does the entire school, A, know who Elle is, and B, care, and C, recognize her voice? Yeah, and everyone knew, like, immediately that she was talking about Marco. And Marco's just sitting in in the classroom like, "Mm mm-hmm, that's right, boys, she's talking about me. But I'm like, it it could literally be anything. It's like the vaguest shit that she's saying. She's like, mm, wow, those scorching hot abs. Like, I'm sure he's not the only person at this school who has abs. The way they treat Marco... As a character, it seemed like Noah was the only hot person in school, and then he left, and then Marco came. Like, there was a quota of one hot person in the school at the same time. Yeah, she could have been talking about her boyfriend, Noah, right? Because she's just like, oh my god, he's so hot, he can get it, blah blah blah. 
dunk him in Cheeto dust, all that good stuff. Yeah, no, it could easily be anyone. But I don't know. Everyone at school was like, oh, my God, it's so sad, Elle, how you broke up with Noah. And she's like, mm, we didn't break up, though. But, like, in her entire voiceover at the beginning, over the montage of, like, what she and Lee have been doing since Noah went off to school, it kind of seemed like maybe they did break up. I don't know. It was really confusing. I understand how the entire school is uh, confused about it, too. Yeah, and I thought that this part was going to come back sort of later in the movie and be like, oh, you know, because her and Noah are having... You know, not problems yet, but like it's a little, you know, difficult to deal with the whole long distance thing. Her and Marco start getting closer after this. But I thought that this whole PA thing was going to come back later in the movie and Noah would be like, find out about it. And he'd be like, oh, you were like going off on this guy, this other dude that I don't even, you know what I mean? But it's just a one off joke. So never mind. Yeah, and Elle the whole time, she's like super duper jealous of this girl the one girl friend that noah has at harvard and she sees them talking together once like when uh, she's skyping him and she comes in uh into his room with like five of their other friends um and then you know she sees one instagram pic where the girl and noah are in it together and she's like oh my god how could noah do this to me like he's cheating on me i know it meanwhile she's at school like I want to lick Marco's abs and bite his little ass. Like, girl. That's such, she's such a hypocrite throughout this entire movie. She keeps going on about how she thinks that Noah's cheating because he has one friend that happens to be a girl. Meanwhile, she's like going off on this other guy. And also, she's not even like texting Noah back. Because it gets so extreme, her ignoring Noah, that Noah has to call the school pretending to be her dad. And, you know, he has to tell them, oh, I need, I need to talk to Elle, something important happened. And Elle's like, oh my god, dad, is everyone in the family okay? Are they all dead? And he's like, nah, it's just me, your boyfriend, Noah. And she's like, mm, why are you calling me <laughs> at school? And he's like, well... You see, you haven't answered my messages all morning. So, like, uh, even though her and Noah are going out, she's not paying attention to him quite as much. She's busy, you know, eyeing uh, Marco. I feel like there are other ways Noah could have uh, getting contact with Elle, the least of which was, like, talk to Lee about it. Because Noah and Lee just straight up, barely talked in this entire movie, even though they're brothers and one of them has moved away. I'm like, it was such a big thing to be like, don't date my relative, Al. Uh, like Lee said, like, that was such a big thing last time. And this movie, it feels like Lee and Noah are barely brothers. Like, they have one Thanksgiving dinner together that's not even about them. It's like a fucking mess of a Thanksgiving dinner. But it's like, Lee's like, oh, no, it's gone. Good riddance. Whatever. Yeah, and Faye, you mentioned it uh, while we were watching the movie for the first time, but, you know, there's scenes of Al going off to visit Noah at Harvard, and, like, why couldn't Lee have gone with them? Like, you know, <laughs> Lee doesn't seem to want to talk to his brother either, which, you know, his uh, brother's kind of an asshole, understandable, but you're right, they, like, barely talk at all in this movie. Yeah, and 
Amy, you mentioned something interesting about Elle messaging Noah, because we all kind of noticed this when we were watching the movie together, but every time it shows a phone message, like, it'll, like, show Elle texting Noah, being like, hey, we need to talk. But then every time they show a phone, it's her first message with him. Like, ever. <laughs> That's such a <laughs> weird editing choice. Yeah, um... I don't know what that's about. Like, she just gets a new phone every single time <laughs> she messages Noah. She's like, this one's tainted now. Bye. You know what? I mean, we're very unclear about the... Uh, we'll, we'll get into it now. But um, about the financial situations going on in this movie, Elle could probably afford a new phone every time. She lives in, like, a rich area in Malibu. She goes to a what looks like an expensive private school. But she finds out that... Actually, she doesn't have enough money for college because her dad only saved up for her to go to Berkeley, which apparently is much less tuition than Harvard. You know, makes sense. Harvard is Harvard. So to fix this, right? Just like in the first movie, Lee and Elle play Dance Dance Revolution a lot um, because they are co-captains of the dance team, which the only dancing required is Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> and... They always have the top score on this game. Because, again, it's an arcade game in an arcade. And they find out this time there's someone with a new high score. <gasps> Faye? Faye, do you want to say who it is? Your favorite boy? <laughs> the number one score. So the number... They see that, first of all, their initial, Al and Lee's initial, which is, I think, E plus L, uh, on level two. And that's fucking unacceptable. So they look at, who's number one? Who's number one? Who could possibly be number one except... For MVP. MVP, baby! Just the initials, MVP. And they're like, oh, who could this this mystery player be? Meanwhile, all of us are like, Marco, it's it's Marco. He's the only character that starts with an M. But they're like, who? So they're very, uh, <laughs> they don't know. Meanwhile, this Dance Dance Revolution thing comes into play a lot more in this movie than the first one. Because Elle finds out that there is a contest that's giving away not a hundred dollars. Two two hundred do I hear two hundred? Two hundred in the back. No, no, a little more than that. Um, what about fifty thousand dollars as the as the prize money for playing dance dance revolution? I think I went into the wrong major. Are uh, what? Do you know that they probably could have saved $50,000 if they didn't play Dance Dance Revolution every minute of their day? Because they have to, like, spend, what, a quarter for every game, right? That shit adds up. L, you wouldn't need to have to enter this Dance Dance Revolution contest if you just saved your money instead of playing Dance Dance Revolution in all your free time. Yeah, girl, that makes sense. I, uh... <laughs> At university, I would buy uh, a Timmy's coffee every morning. And I started to think, like, a couple months in, I was like, hmm, how much money could I be saving if I didn't come in and buy my Timmy's coffee uh, every morning before class? And then I decided, I don't care. It's really good. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It adds up. <laughs> She's like, I don't have money. You, you've been spending money on this game. Yeah, also another thing uh, about this competition, it's not only Dance Dance Revolution. No, 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 that's too boring, that's too basic. This is Dance Dance Revolution 
freestyle, which I had never in my life heard of. <laughs> we were all very confused on what this was going to look like until, like, the climax of this movie when they show us. I think I've played Dance Dance Revolution maybe once in my life. At a friend's house when I was, like, ten, and it was not even the original Dance Dance Revolution. It was Dance Dance Revolution High School Musical 2 Edition. <laughs> so better. I, it was better. It was better. I played as Gabriella. That's all I remember. And I remember... I sucked and I lost. <laughs> Dancing is not my forte. But, I mean, we all just kind of thought, you put your feet on the right places. What is there to freestyle? You put it on the wrong place. But I guess it's more like hand choreography or, or torso choreography. Something worthy of a $50,000 prize. Right. Here's the thing. So, you know, uh, Alan Lee are supposed to enter this competition together. They even get matching shirts. The day, actually, that they get their matching shirts, Lee has this quote-unquote injury where he, like, twists his ankle or something. He's like, "L, I can't do this contest. You're going to have to do it with someone else. I think you should do it with Marco because he's, you know, MVP. He was number one on the board. Um, you have a better chance with him. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with this. <laughs> Oh, uh, I think we, we skipped the part where they found out that he was MVP, because that was... Yeah, the part where everybody in school was like... Everybody in school, we already know, it's super hot for Marco. So they were like, he's probably the best chance that they have for the kissing booth to like draw the big crowd and everything. So they asked Marco, and Marco, just like Noah in the first movie, is just like, no, I'm not going to do it at a kissing booth. And I think Lee said, or El said, oh, it's for charity. And Marco's like, for charity, why do you think I'm talking to you? <laughs> what a bad boy. But, you know, Alan, we are like, okay, fine, Marco, we'll, we'll play you for it. You know, we play any game in the arcade. If we win, you do the guessing booth. If you win, then Al has to babysit your sister, uh, the sister that was never brought up again, which is, you know, fine. And Al was like, yeah, let's, let's play for any, any game in the arcade, except Oh no, not DDR. No, not Dance Dance Revolution. That's so difficult. And Marco's like, um, now I have to play DDR. And Alan and Lee are like, wow, we, we got him. But little do they know, he got them. That, that was such a strange scene to put in. Cause the way that I'm, we could, I'm, no, you know what? I'm gonna nitpick. <laughs> the way that this is set up, right? Marco is like, fine, I'll be in your kissing booth. I'll play you any game here for it. So that is set up as if Ella and Lee could choose a game, right? He's like, I will play you any game here. And then Ella and Lee set up this like elaborate, oh, woe is me. Oh, no. Well, well, we can play any game here for it, except for Dance Dance Rev. Please, sir, don't choose Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> and then Marco's like, well, guess what? Now, bitch, we're choosing Dance Dance Revolution. You know what I mean? Like, it's set up as if they could choose that game. So they could have just been like, okay, we'll play Dance Dance Revolution. Like, what was the need for that whole, <laughs> like, extravagant plan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where I was trying to, I remember my train of thought now, where I was trying to go with that 
is they find out Marco's MVP. He replaces Lee after Lee uh, has his ankle injury. And in the freestyle choreography that they do, right, Marco's pulling out all these tricks, all these flips, all these, you know, turns and twists and what have you. And they were really extra considering the fact that his feet did not even land on the arrows half the time. I think that was the the long-winded point I was trying to say with that. And they touch on this in the movie quite a bit, where Ella and Marco have this kind of long, long-going uh, flirtation between them. But they're also fighting a lot over this dance dance revolution contest because Ella's like, we have to focus on the steps. And Marco's like, the steps are given. The judges will care about choreography. And I was like, okay, yeah, we're doing choreography. But like, you gotta get the steps right. And he's like, or we could just do fucking whatever we want. And I was like, mm, but you're not even hitting the steps. And um, the movie, I think, tries to play it off like, Elle needs to have more fun. She needs to loosen it. But she's right. <laughs> he's not hitting the steps. Yeah, there's a part where they're doing uh, a section of their dance, and he literally did not land on the arrows once. And she gets mad at him. She's like, well, I mean, if you're going to be on the team, then you're going to have to try a little harder because I can't go to Harvard if you don't get this right. And he's like, loosen up. You're, like, so uptight about this. Like, literally, you didn't get a single step right, Marco. Marco, no plans. What's his middle name? Valentine? And then his last name is Piera or something? Yeah, but his real middle name is No Plan. Marco, very poor. Marco! Marco! Very unpredictable. Wait, where is you? It's a very unpredictable is all one word. Oh, oh, okay. So we got Marco, very unpredictable. So yeah, now Marco is like roped into both doing the kissing booth and also doing this stupid dance contest that's again worth fifty thousand dollars. Dude, we had in high school we had like film contests and and fashion shows and stuff, and I think the the prize was like a a nice little clap on the back, you know, a nice little winky winky. You did a good job. I don't think there was even ever, like, the the ideation of any sort of cash prize. <laughs> we will take $50,000! Yeah, our school would give out gift cards that they didn't even, like, put money on. They're like, here's a piece of plastic! <laughs> Meanwhile, they get, like, 50 k to play Dance Dance Revolution freestyle, which means, like, whatever you want it to mean. Yeah, don't you don't even have to do it correctly. Don't even have to hit those notes, <laughs> whatever they're called. Also, we we mentioned that Lee broke, quote unquote, broke his ankle. So so that and that's why Marco needs to fill in for him on the dance dance revolution thing. But there's also this kind of subplot winding its way through that Lee, if you'll remember, which I did not <laughs> when watching this movie. Lee has a girlfriend from the first movie who was that random girl he kissed in that one scene. They are now together in this movie. But she is getting a little annoyed with Lee because Lee is spending time exclusively with Elle and not with his girlfriend. So she's like, understandably, not having it. 
so she's like, hey, Lee, you got to talk to Elle and just tell her, like, you can be nice about it, but just, like, you got to tell her we need some some time alone, man. We need some space. And he's like, yeah, okay, chill. I'll, I'll fix it. So he's like, okay, her name's Rachel. Rachel, I, I took care of it. So Lee's whole big plan was that he would break his leg. Instead of talking to Rachel, instead of talking to Elle, saying that we need some space, he's like, I'm going to pretend to break my leg so that Elle has to spend more time with Marco, because Marco will replace Lee. So that way Lee can spend more time with his girlfriend, Rachel. A very convoluted plan. Instead of just telling Elle, I need to spend time with my girlfriend. But... I mean, I guess it works for kind of fish a while. In the first movie, there's this whole thing where Elle and Noah have to date in secret because Lee will get mad because, you know, they don't like to hide things from each other, Elle and Lee, because they're best friends and they shouldn't have to. And then this whole movie, they lie to each other straight up again. Lee's like, oh, yeah, um, Rachel loves having you around. Uh, It's all cool. Don't worry about it. And I was like, okay, sure. He doesn't tell her that, you know, Rachel actually wants to have date nights and that he stood her up for Elle a, a couple of times. He just like, mm, I think I'll just ignore this problem. What did we learn from the first movie? Uh, straight up nothing. Yeah, and we mentioned this in the first podcast, but there was no character development in the first movie. And I still, like, don't think the characters developed anymore in this one. We were kind of joking about this, but literally the only character development I noticed was in the first movie, there was a whole big scene about Elle struggling to put on makeup. And in this movie, she puts on makeup just fine. We love character growth. She was stripping a whole lot in the first movie. Only like one time she stripped in this movie. You know... They developed a little. <laughs> Don't That's forget, much, she also learned how to drive in the first one. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, she didn't know how to drive. At the end, she didn't know how to drive. Um, I think, like, the only character in this movie that's, like, a little different than the first one is Noah. Because in the first one, he's, like, super jealous and possessive and... He's picking fights with literally every person he meets. Uh, and in this one, he's a lot more mild. He still has some of that weirdly possessive behavior where he had to call Elle at school and pretend to be her dad for, like, you know, no reason, basically just because she didn't, like, answer his messages. Uh, but he's a lot more mild in this one. And they mentioned for, like, half a second in the first movie at the end that he started going to therapy or whatever, and I guess that magically works, because he's uh, all better in this one. He His uh, anger issues are pretty much dealt with. All the character development happened off-screen, and uh, so much so that he's basically a different character in this movie. That's a really good point. All the character development did happen off screen because in the last movie he was this super angry dude just just goes around punching guys for no reason uh and then in this movie they try to show that he's a changed man they have this one scene with marco is later in the movie but marco kind of tries to provoke noah and noah doesn't punch him (gasps) 
Wow. <laughs> he developed some... He didn't punch him. Yay, guys! <laughs> and uh, that's his development. But the thing is, you're totally right. We didn't see that change happen within him. It, he was just one way in the first movie, and then they told us he's a different way in this movie. But we didn't actually see any development. He's just... A, excellent point. Two different characters. Speaking about that scene where he wants to, obviously wants to punch Marco because he has that, like, little Arthur fist meme <laughs> going on. But he doesn't punch Marco because he's oh, magically a better person. I think it would have been better if he did punch Marco. And hear me out. This is why. Because if he punched Marco and then Elle came over to, like, get in between them and, you know, stop them from fighting. And if Elle went to Marco and was like, oh my god, Marco, are you okay? Do I need to get you some ice? Like, what can I do for you? And Noah saw this, and like, it, it makes him realize, oh my god, my violent tendencies have uh, an effect on my relationship with other human beings. And then he changes? Oof, I think that would have been so much better. But, uh, no, they didn't do that. He just changed off screen, and in this one, he's a, he's a proper Harvard man. Yeah, it's not even, like, in this movie, Basically, the girl that is in Noah's friend group, she's the one who kind of calms Noah down during this moment. She's like, hey, back off. It's not worth it. But if that had been Elle, you're right. He could have been like, oh, you know what? My relationship is more important. Had a little moment with her. And then his little Arthur hand would have unclenched and been like, you know what, man? I'm going to back down. But instead, it wasn't a, a moment of transformation for him. It was just this new character being like, that's not what I do anymore. I feel like the the girl that, the new friend who's a girl that he made in this movie, uh, Chloe, I think Noah at one point said he wanted a relationship like Lee and Elle, like a really, like a strong friendship uh, that he really wanted. And that's why he's being so close to Chloe. And I'm like, that could have potentially worked if you show like a developing friendship or any friendship at all between the two and was like yeah he met some new people that you know contributed to his change but like every scene that Noah and Chloe share there's always that backdrop of like are they secretly cooking up behind Elle's back like this like weird tension and you don't really get to see any like actual friendship moments between the two of them totally and I think that's part of the problem of seeing this whole thing from Elle's perspective. They show a little bit from Noah's perspective, but you know, we're still we're still doubting what's going on with him. Speaking of the whole Chloe situation, <laughs> basically Noah invites Elle to come to Boston with him. So she goes to visit Noah in Boston, which is where Harvard is. They go to her Harvard, she meets all his friends, but the only friend that she's really interested in meeting is this Chloe girl, because Elle is super jealous. Because she found one picture of them on Instagram. <laughs> but, like, her whole jealousy arc or whatever only gets more fueled when she finds an earring under Noah's bed. That, uh, upon further Instagram stalking, she finds out is, in fact, Chloe's earring. And she, like, leaves in a rage <laughs> from Boston. Can I just mention, has nothing to do with the Chloe situation. But um, it's very important to me that the audience knows this. And it's my least favorite and favorite line in the whole movie. And I think you guys are going to know what it is. <laughs> it's during this Boston montage where Elle and Noah are having fun going out at all the Boston hotspots. 
and they end up at dinner together. And I don't know what prompted this, probably nothing. But Elle says the worst sentence I've ever heard in my whole life. She leans forward at the table, right? They're talking, they're having a nice candlelit dinner. She leans forward and she says, I'm going to treat you like my own personal jungle gym. And worse than that, Noah finds it amazingly sexy. Well, they go off and they they do that too. <laughs> what? Completely unprovoked. They're like in the middle of having some fucking salmon. A nice tartare sauce in this fancy restaurant. <laughs> I think the the three of us were going off for quite a while on her for you for using that line. Oh, also interestingly, like they were at a bar. They were straight up at a full bar, and Al had a fake ID. I think at one point, but I think Noah would also have a fake ID because he's only a year older. He's like nineteen. The drinking age is twenty one. But they're like. Noah's a full-grown adult at this point, but Elle needs a fake ID. I'm like, okay. Good point. They're in the States. They shouldn't be able to drink yet. Um, and they have this whole, like, scene. Like, they deliberately put in a scene of Elle showing her ID to a bartender, and the bartender being like, yup, seems legit. They <laughs> just insinuate that she's a fake ID. And yet, I mean, I guess Noah looks older, but, you know, he just gets in totally fine. Also... <laughs> um, in that scene when they're in the bar, they get very drunk together. Elle gets very drunk. She's laughing as you do uh, on a bar stool with a, a shot in hand. Noah's got his hand around her waist, right? She starts picture this both on bar stools. Noah's got his hand around Elle's waist. Elle starts laughing really hard, starts falling back. Noah removes his hand from said waist, and she falls off. The chair! I think it was just, like, it didn't look intentional, you know? I think it was just, <laughs> like, oh, in the script, uh, Elle falls off chair. But then, during filming, Noah guy was like, oh shit, I'm holding on to her. So he just let her go. <laughs> she just falls back! Oh my god. <laughs> There's also, you know, during this whole Boston montage, there's also this question of... Because Elle and Noah go back to Noah's room so she can treat him like a jungle gym, as we've established. Um, Noah mentions later in the movie, just offhandedly, that he has a roommate. But when they go to his dorm room, there is but one bed. His roommate, nowhere in sight. This is very spicy. This is spicy like that devil's hand, whatever the drink was called, that you mentioned, <laughs> with like five chili peppers. Uh, yeah, one bed, also like a romantic fireplace. Um, I've never been to Harvard, so I don't know what the dorms are like there. But it was like a, like an estate. Like a full-ass suite with a king-size bed, fireplace, living room. The, the dorms in, in, uh, <laughs> the universities I've seen in Canada here are like one room, two, maybe three meters across if you're lucky. Um, with two to three people sharing that room. I guess if you want some luxury, go to Harvard for those beautiful rooms. Faye, you've, you've lived in a, a dorm. Neither Ashley and I have. But uh, your dorm room situation was not like Noah's, was it? It was not. It was 
like the walls I had, they were not bricks, like not exposed bricks. They were those weird like concrete brick situation, like you see in like classrooms, I guess. Yeah, and it was just this terrible tiny little twin size bed, and the mattress was really whack. Like it was, it was not anywhere like that. That was that was like a straight up luxury apartment, and they look it looked very lived in, and I'm like I. My dorm room was barely furnished at all, whereas theirs had like wallpaper and like nice carpet and like these like rolly chairs and stuff like that. That's crazy. Yeah, it was like dark wood. It was like they got a mahogany desk. I gotta say, you know, if Noah was gonna be cheating on Elle with anyone, it was not Chloe. It would have been his other roommate in that very romantic suite of theirs. That's true. They got, like, the fireplace going. There's candles everywhere. Oh, my God. Chloe. Th- forget about Chloe. So, speaking of cheating, that th- there's this whole thing. Elle now thinks that Noah is cheating on her with Chloe because she is his only friend. There's, like, a... After she gets back home from Boston, they talk on the phone a lot. And then she's like, oh, like, are you cheating on me? And he's like, I'm not together with Chloe. And she's like... How did you know I meant Chloe? Because she's your only female friend? Like, Elle pissed me off so much in this movie, man. <laughs> she was so... I mean, the, one of the first lines that she says in, to Noah in this movie, the reason why she was kind of avoiding him at the beginning and he had to call her school pretending to be her dad is she didn't want to come off as that clingy girlfriend. But then this whole movie, that's exactly what she is. She didn't want to come off as that clean girlfriend. So the whole movie, she's just been like ignoring him to the point where he's like, um, I guess I have to call her school, which he didn't have to do that. There were so many other ways to contact her, like Faye said before. But yeah, he, he was like, you're not going to talk to me. I guess I'd rather have a clingy girlfriend. Also, imagine that scene that you were just mentioning, Ashley, where, uh, Elle's like, are you cheating on me? <laughs> what if he was like, um, no, Bob and I are just friends. And she's like, who's Bob? And he's like, um, my roommate that I'm not cheating on you with. <laughs> you know, here's, okay, here's the thing about this movie. I, I was going to get to this later, but there's a gay couple in this movie, right? And we were kind of going off on this movie on our own before we started this podcast. But they just kind of show up in like two scenes and randomly get together in the end and we're supposed to care, <laughs> you know? But they didn't get any, we didn't even know either of their names. They didn't get any development. It felt like they were just pushing in a gay couple to get a gay couple in the movie instead of developing their characters properly and giving ever giving the, the gay characters equal treatment, you know? But if Noah got together with someone, because Noah's a developed character, bring in another guy develop him, give him some actual lines to speak in the movie. Ooh, I think we got ourselves the third movie. <laughs> I love that. And we'll talk more about the the gay couple in the kissing booth scene that's coming up. But uh yeah, it would have been easy to, you know, have Noah have a little fling with his college roommate. It would have been easy for uh Chloe to be gay as well, maybe, because the whole time Ella's like Oh my god, I found Chloe's earring in your room, Noah. What's going on between you two? 
And Noah's always like, you know, we're just friends. She's my first friend that I made at Harvard. So, you know, I've been sticking to her and she's introduced me to a lot of other people. And, um, you know, if near the end, Eldris confronted Chloe and was like, hey, um, have you and Noah ever done anything? Chloe could just be like straight up, nah, I'm gay. Um, and honestly, that's what I was expecting, but it never came up. And here's what bothers me. <laughs> because Elle suspects that Noah is cheating on her, she's like, well, I'm going to cheat on him first. That kind of attitude. So she and Marco have been getting pretty close uh, this whole movie, doing their Dance Dance Revolution thing, which I'm going to remind you is worth $50,000. They've been going on these kind of like dates, but also non-dates. They go to like the fair. They almost kiss a bunch of times. And eventually we get to a Halloween dance. We kind of move throughout the year, which is kind of the blow up point for Lee and Rachel's relationship. Because Lee, Rachel, and Elle were all originally planning on being a, a group costume together of being s'mores. So Elle and Lee would be the graham crackers on the side and Rachel would be that gooey gooey marshmallow in the middle. Um, if you're Amy, or a toasted marshmallow, if you're me. <laughs> and uh, Lee and Elle decide to change their costumes last minute to something completely different. It's like Ghostbusters, but they didn't tell Rachel. So Rachel arrives, and now not only is Elle not giving them space, but the two of them are in a couple's costume, and she is now this very large, inconvenient marshmallow costume. So she blows up at Elle at this dance and sort of is like, you need to stay away from us. I can't believe you're lying about the fact that, that Lee never told you to stay away. Meanwhile, Elle's like, I literally have no idea what you're talking about. And this all kind of comes back into play during Thanksgiving. But there's one scene we have to talk about before that, which is the conclusion to the Dance Dance Revolution contest thing, where... It's like this whole big stadium venue <laughs> that this place is taking place. There's like neon lights. There's like fire coming out of the floor. It's very dramatic and a much larger venue than I was expecting for a dance dance revolution contest. But in the end, Elle and Marco end up winning the whole contest with their sick moves. But the end of their choreography kind of ends in this very romantic pose and they kiss they straight up kiss uh not realizing that noah was in the audience and sees this whole thing go down so now everyone's kind of mad at each other uh marco is mad at l because she kissed him and then dipped on him <laughs> uh noah is also mad at l also there's this stupid snowblot <laughs> where Lee is also mad at Elle because he found out that she applied to Harvard, which is the dumbest. She didn't get in. Or she just applied to Harvard. How can you possibly expect her to apply to one school? What? <laughs> I think when I was applying to universities, I think I applied to five or six programs and then just sort of picks from there. And like, I get that their whole thing was, oh, we're best friends. We have to go to the same school together. But just applying to that one school and not having any safety net seems pretty irresponsible. So, uh, I don't know. That whole argument seemed 
strange that he would be like, I can't believe you applied to Harvard. (laughs) But here's the thing. There was no evidence of her applying to Harvard, even though she did. Uh, He found pamphlets for Harvard in her bag, which could mean anything. She just went to Harvard to visit Noah. You know what I mean? Like, there's no (laughs) circumstantial evidence that she actually applied there. And there's also this whole, you know, narration point where every so often Elle will be uh, writing her college application letter. And it's supposed to be all this deep thoughts that she has about everyone in her life. But the timeline on it is so strange because literally the first week of school, she's already starting to write it. Okay, and then by the end of the movie, which happens, you know, at graduation, she's still, like, voiceovering what she's written in her college application. Which, girl, by that point, you should have already got accepted. And then when she goes to visit Noah, she gets, like, an interview for Harvard or one of the schools that she applied to in Boston. But, girl, hasn't even finished her college application letter that she was writing. Also, if that had been what she was in Har- uh, what she was in Boston, if that had been the Harvard uh, interview, because at the interview, the lady, the interviewer was saying, "Elle, you seem like a really cool person, but it just seems like you're telling me what I want to hear and not actually anything about yourself." Like, if that was the feedback, that's what the interviewer got from that interview, and Elle still got in. I'm like, how could that possibly be? That was the terrible interview, and she hasn't even finished the letter. Yeah, and the letter was also terrible. (laughs) We'll go over more of it at the end, but it didn't make any fucking sense in terms of college admissions reading it. Because she's like, I wish I could be more like Noah. And they're reading it like, who the fuck is Noah? (laughs) That's so true. I mean, first of all, when she goes for this interview, yeah, the lady's like, "Um, I think you're trying to tell me more what I want to hear rather than, than who you actually are. First of all, no interviewer is going to be that nice to you and be like, here's what's wrong. Usually they're like, okay, next. <laughs> but yeah, you're totally, she's writing this one letter the entire school year. Meanwhile, I mean, I think you get into universities like November to maybe January at the latest, right? Because you have to choose your courses <laughs> in the summer. You have to go to orientation. You have to get all your packages for classes. There's, like, stuff you gotta prepare. You can't be sitting at graduation being like, hmm, maybe I'll write my letter now. <laughs> maybe I'll try to get into Hog... I must have Hogwarts. <laughs> maybe I'll try to get into Harvard in June, <laughs> you know? There was another movie that we watched on the podcast. I think it might have been Aquamarine, where one of the characters, <laughs> they say some stupid shit like that, where they're like, oh... You know, next week is the start of September. I think I might go to college. Like, you didn't decide whether or not you're going to go to college, and it's already August, like, 29th or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, dude, there are deadlines for these things, and universities especially are, like, crazy strict. If you miss the deadline by one day, they're like, sorry, gotta wait till next year. Sucks to be you. (laughs) But I guess uh, in the TV world... As they say, anything is possible. <laughs> so, yeah, everyone's mad at each other. And we get to this Thanksgiving scene, which just is the most, I mean, awkward thanks I think I've ever seen on screen. Everyone's mad at each other. But it's all the kids mad at each other. And they've also invited all the parents over. So the parents are just like that eye emoji where you're like, hmm. <laughs> 
like, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> just like watching all the drama unfold. Rachel accuses Elle of not staying away from Lee. Meanwhile, Elle is like, girl, I've been telling you for the past fucking five months, I have no clue what you're talking about. And then eventually Lee comes clean and he's like, so I didn't tell Elle after all. And Rachel's like, peace, we're done. Um, so they're broken up now. Noah, who, by the way, brought Chloe to the Thanksgiving dinner, which, my man, you're only making it worse for yourself. <laughs> Elle confronts Noah about supposedly cheating on her in front of both of their extended families. <laughs> and, and everyone's kind of mad at each other. But, God, that was so awkward. But eventually, Lee and Elle end up making up because they play Dance Dance Revolution together, and that magically fixes their problems. <laughs> One more thing about the Thanksgiving dinner is Elle uh, kept the earring that she found under Noah's bed, and she just fucking takes it out of her pocket where I guess she's been carrying it around since she found it, and she just is airing all of their dirty laundry in front of their parents, and Molly Ringwald is there as Noah and Lee's mom like, did you guys try the yams? They're dangerous, you know, whatever. <laughs> the funniest thing. I was like, you slept with this random girl from college. I hear the evidence, Mr. Supreme Court. I object. Meanwhile, (laughs) like, your dad is just like, oh, um, uh, potatoes are nice. (laughs) Also, Elle's younger brother, who I forgot existed, is also, he's like, what, like 10, 12? I don't know how old he is. Also, he's the one person that Lee can't date. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Yeah, we mentioned this in our our episode of uh, Kissing Booth One, but that whole their whole contract is very uh, suspiciously specific. Uh, the whole rule about you can't date any of your sip. Yeah, like Lee's gonna date <laughs> Elle's younger ten year old brother. Okay. How old were they when they made this rule? It's in the, like, it, like, I'm assuming there's been, like, amendments to this rule, because I can't imagine they make this in, like, kindergarten and be like, huh, like, five-year-old Lee being like, yeah, you can't hit my six-year-old brother when they were, like, in kindergarten. Rule 25, I always get the yellow cup and you have to get the blue cup. <laughs> A lot of their rules are stupid, like... We mentioned it in the in the first episode. It hasn't come up in this one. But one of their rules is literally like to be happy for each other when they accomplish something. Like that's just what being a friend is, y'all. <laughs> Girl, Sesame Street gon' teach you that shit. <laughs> if you need a rule to remember to be happy for your best friend, then like I don't know what to tell you about your friendship. Yeah, and their friendship seems kind of pretty unstable anyway if lee's literally getting mad at her for applying for having safety nets for applying to colleges and this is all while lee is lying to l about rachel being cool about you know l hanging out with them all the time rachel isn't cool about it she's told lee like five times in this movie hey i need you to get on this because otherwise like our relationship ain't gonna work and lee's like yeah yeah, yeah i got it so straight up, Lee is lying to both Elle and Rachel at the same time, while also being such a hypocrite. He's like, I found these pamphlets that could mean anything in your bag. 
So, uh, we're done here. We're not friends here anymore. Thankfully, they, they make up pretty quickly uh, after. And our whole climax, do you want to, does anyone in the audience want to get, it's a rom-com. Does anyone want to guess where the, oh, in the back? Yeah, you? Okay. Yeah, it's an airport chase scene. <laughs> Who saw that coming? <laughs> so Noah and Chloe are going back to Boston. Uh, they're in the airport waiting for their flight. And this is all happening the same day as the kissing booth that Ellen Lee uh, are setting up at school. At the kissing booth, we get a lot of uh, couples getting back together. So Lee and Rachel make up. They get back together. Um, those two random gay guys, they get together and everybody claps for them. Elle breaks things off with Marco. She's like, it was always Noah. Um, and she has this very dramatic run to the airport scene to try to chase Noah. But she finds out once she gets to the airport that Noah has run to the kissing booth to try to find her to make up with her. So she has to run all the way back. <laughs> and they both meet in that gazebo from the first movie. And they end up kissing and getting back together. Um, and everything is kind of cleared the air between them. So Noah says that Chloe's just a friend. She explains that it was always him. Um, and they get back together. And then, as we mentioned, Elle finally writes her college essays that literally like at graduation. And she tells everyone that she got waitlisted everywhere. But our last scene is just showing her acceptance letters saying that she actually got in everywhere she applied, including both whatever the school was that she and Lee wanted to get into and Harvard with that. I mean, again, Amy mentioned her essay that she's been working on this entire movie is like, I want to be Noah's strength and Lee's best friend. The fucking admissions person is going to be like, who am I supposed to know who these people are? It's basically her whole life story <laughs> in this college admissions letter. And then they're like, okay, like, I guess she can get in. Oh my god, I just heard, like, like Elle Woods from Legally Blonde also had a really whack entrance essay, and her name is also Elle, and she also got in. I mean, we don't know. This could be the prequel to Legally Blonde. She could have been studying law, for all we know. We literally get no scenes of her doing anything school-related. So, I don't know. I mean, uh, a dye job for that hair? Could be. Yeah, and Elle and Noah are both the epitome of what? Like, it's hard of getting into Harvard, because it was definitely not <laughs> as hard as Elle Woods had it. And uh, and thankfully, that's the end of the movie, folks. Uh, we're through it, got through it. I hope you downed all those shots that we told you about before. Do we have any final thoughts about this? What did we think about this movie? I have a lot of final thoughts. Let's just circle back to uh, the gay couple in this movie, because I feel like we all have a lot to say about the representation, or let's say lack thereof. Can I just mention, before we get into them at the kissing booth, so first of all, like Ashley said before, we don't really know anything about these characters, we don't know their names, in the first podcast we did, we mentioned that there was one gay character. He had no name and no lines. I'm wondering if he's one of the ones in this movie. Not sure, because I didn't go back and watch it. But in this movie, they do have names, apparently. 
we only know one of their names because they're at the kissing booth and everyone is crowding around like always. They love to watch people kiss. No one's minding their own business like a normal kissing booth, I'm assuming. And, uh, you know, one of the, the guys comes out and he's the kissing booth operator at the time. I don't know. And, you know, his crush comes up to him. Everyone's chanting, Ollie, Ollie, because his name's Ollie. And they had to tell us that through literally all the other characters chanting it. And that's the only reason we know his name. Anyways, so there's this scene where Elle is at the beach with Lee and Rachel. And this dude is just playing volleyball. He comes up beside Elle, and I didn't even know that they knew each other. And they start talking about his crush on the other guy. And Elle says this thing, which is like, I know everyone's, you know, gonna judge you for it, but you should be with him. You shouldn't care what anyone else thinks. I know all about that, and it sucks. And I'm like, um, Elle, I don't think you can compare being with Noah to being in the closet. Those are two different things. And then they're at the kissing booth later, and the two guys kiss, and everyone's cheering for them. But it felt... And we were talking about this before, the first time we watched it. It felt super forced. Like, Netflix was like, mm, we uh, didn't check off a gay character on our checklist, so now we got to get in that representation. Let's just squeeze it in. This is a two-and-a-half-hour movie anyway. We got plenty of time for, uh, like, one-and-a-half scenes of them. Done. And it's like, they didn't put any effort into it at all. Yeah, and it sucks that it's something that should be, like, at this point, like, just put in a gay couple that has lines. (laughs) Like, it's not that fun. I just watched another Netflix original show with Therese Sharon, Therese Sharon, Furiosa, whatever the fuck, I don't know her name, Um, (laughs) Charlie's Charlize Theron, Charlize Theron, <laughs> something, but, oh, I forgot what the movie was called, but it's the one where she, like, can't die, and I thought that movie did a good job with its gay characters, because A, they were main characters, and literally were on screen the whole movie, they both got lines, like, it's not a difficult thing to just have two characters in a same-sex relationship, but they make it such a kind of, not that they make it a big deal, but they they build it up to be something like, oh, we have gay characters in our movie, and then they give them one scene together. Yeah, and it's, it's also, like, the whole thing of, like, we barely know their names, we barely know their personalities, the only, like, the, the struggle that they go through is that they're gay, and at the end, they overcome, like, the fear about being in the closet, which I'm like, like, that's not the only thing gay people do, is just they come out of their closet, and, like, that's all there is to it. It's also the only thing we know about them, though, is that the only thing we know about either of these two characters is the fact that they're gay. <laughs> we don't know what they like to do. We don't know, I mean, anything about them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They were not developed at all. And like we said before, it, it would have been so easy to make an actual character that has uh, an impact on the plot and the other characters in this movie to be gay, like Chloe or, I don't know, someone at Harvard that <laughs> no one knows, one of his new friends, something like that. And, you know, the scenes, the two or whatever scenes that they did have had no 
bearing on the the rest of the movie. Um, I was thinking about it though, and I think this whole series, the Kiss and Booth series, would have been better if instead of doing a sequel that doesn't even get resolved at the end, because <laughs> we don't know where she's going to school. Oh my God, such a cliffhanger! Uh, it would have been so much better if they did like a Kissing Booth anthology series, like the first one. Ellen Noah's story. Second one could have been Ollie and the other guy's story. If they actually wanted to have queer representation, that way they don't have to do the same thing every movie with Elle doing a kissing booth because uh, they've been like shoehorning that in for the second time in the row. The third movie has already been filmed and we know that there's going to be a kissing booth in that one, obviously, because it's called The Kissing Booth. Hot take, but the kissing booth uh, scene in the kissing booth too did not need to happen at all. It was only because uh, they wanted to spotlight. Oh my God, we're not homophobic. Um, here's two gay guys uh, doing their first kiss together at the kissing booth, which is like a performance for the audience at home and for the characters in the scene, not for them. It's it's got nothing to do with them. But yeah, a kissing booth anthology maybe. Uh, the third one could have been Lee and Rachel's story, even though I another hot take. I think Rachel should have left Lee and uh, been done with this whole mess. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a fantastic idea, because then you could keep the idea of the kissing booth. And even if it's just like a mini series, so you don't have to, you know, continue it for five seasons and try to figure out what you're going to do there. But like, what could they possibly? She's going to college. What could they possibly do with a kissing booth in the third movie? And you're right. In this one, kissing booth had no impact on the plot. And I feel like I overall liked this movie better than the first movie. But I feel like it's going to suffer from what I like to call second book syndrome or second movie syndrome, which is where the middle movie did not need to happen. <laughs> you know, that I, I'm, I have a feeling that whatever is going to happen in the third movie is going to be like her trying to figure out what college she's going to go to or her trying to deal with life at college or whatever the hell. And she makes a kissing boost for some reason. Yeah, again, but this movie, like what happened, right? She thought Noah was cheating and he wasn't. She had a fight with Lee and then they made up. What needed to happen in this movie? You know, everything is exactly the way it was at the end of the first movie. <laughs> Noah is still at Harvard. She's still here trying to figure out if she's going to do a long distance relationship with him. Right. Yeah. And at the end, they don't even meet at the kissing booth. <laughs> Nothing happens at the kissing booth. She talks to Marco at the kissing booth. Uh, they don't even kiss. So like the, that could have happened, you know, after the DDR tournament, that could have happened uh, just anywhere else. They didn't have to have a kissing booth in, you know, the actual movie. Also, just wanted to mention that my second time, because we all watched this together once, and then I watched it, I watched the whole thing again. Yes, I did. Took me the whole day uh, to write down my notes for this podcast. So my second time watching this, I did notice more of the gay couple, but that doesn't mean anything. Because nobody's going to be going around watching Kissing Booth 2 twice like we did. Here's the thing. I noticed them too more the second time. But by noticed, I mean like in the first scene when she first arrives at school, people are kind of whispering to each other, oh, I think Noah and Elle broke up. And he was one of those people whispering. So you're like, oh, 
I recognize that guy. That's the gay guy. But he hasn't been introduced yet. He hasn't talked yet. We don't know his name. So watching it a second time, you're like, oh, I recognize him because he's the gay guy. But watching it the first time, he's just an extra in the background for half the plot before you find out, oh, he's the gay guy, you know? Yeah, so, you know, I think if they really wanted to have representation in their series, they could have just made a movie about them. And also, I just want to ask, why would Ellen Noah get back together at the end of the movie? The whole time, she thought he was cheating on her. So she clearly doesn't trust him. And then she actually cheated on him by kissing Marco. So why do they think that it's going to work? At the end of the movie, the last thing they had with uh, Marco MVP is like, I think he's apparently still into Elle, where people are like, oh, sorry that didn't work out or something. And I'm, I don't know exactly what he said, but she, he was like, oh, like she's worth it or something, which I'm like, that's debatable, Marco. Uh, but you know, you, you do you, I guess. So really, like what Amy said about anthology, it makes a lot of sense because if you just keep following Elle and Noah, I'm like, what else? What other kind of trouble can you throw into their relationship? Because they've done everything. Is Marco still going to be a problem in the third book? I feel like the worst thing that could have happened with Marco already did happen. So, like, what what other thing is he contributing? Or what could they possibly continue to do with Marco still having an interest now? Like, what what else can they do in the third movie? Yeah, and, you know, in this movie, if she found out that Marco can dance, Marco can sing, Marco can play guitar, Marco can speak Spanish, Marco does not have uh, violence issues, and she still didn't want to get with him at the end? Like, girl, there is no hope for Elle. Marco has way better chemistry with her than she does with Noah, and I don't know if this is because uh, the actors who played Elle and Noah were dating when they were doing the first one and now they're broken up, I don't know if it's that, I don't know if it's a script, I don't know if it's the acting, but uh, the chemistry with Marco was better. And he's like a way nicer version, I guess, of Noah anyways. And we know that Elle has things in common with Marco, like they both like to dance. But Elle does not have anything in common with Noah, as far as I can tell. Yeah, also, I think the actors that are playing Elle and Marco are dating so maybe that's why they had more chemistry but either way what i mean i i've just seen instagram posts i don't know if it's true i want to spread rumors but i think they are you know regardless it's like it would be awkward to like film a whole movie where you're trying to get with your ex you know what i mean so uh i think we mentioned this before but did you guys like this movie better than the last movie the first movie yeah i think like there was I mean, what you mentioned before, like, Noah changed as a person, like, his character just changed, and then new Noah in uh, Kissing Booth 2, I hated him a lot less, like, I was just like, I don't have any positive feelings about him, but I'm like, okay, you're there, so that's an improvement. <laughs> yeah, and I do think, like, there's so many events and stuff happening in this movie, like, there's always a dance, always, like, a thing that's happening, but I do feel like more... Like, stuff like that happen in here than I think in the first movie, where a lot of it is... Maybe I just haven't seen the first movie in a while, but I feel like less stuff happened in the first movie other than they they get together and then they break up and they get together again. What about you, Ashley? Did you like this one better? Weirdly, I enjoyed watching this movie more. I think it was more entertaining. 
entertaining than the last movie. The last movie, not a lot happened. <laughs> and I didn't really like the character. I mean, I didn't really love the characters in this movie either, but um, I don't know what it is. This movie is just, maybe it's because it, there's more kind of going on. I didn't love this movie, but I think I liked it better than the last one. Yeah, me too. Um, the first time when we watched it all together, it went by pretty quickly. I didn't notice I was over two hours, but watching it alone and taking notes and all the stupid things that everyone does and says, oh my god, it took me like six hours to finish this two and a half hour movie. It was better than the last one, like you said, but it was also a lot longer unnecessarily. You know, especially because this is just a roast about Netflix. But Netflix doesn't have an option to speed up your videos. Usually, like, if if I want to, like, legally find some of the movies that we watch, I'll just set it to, like, two times speed or 1.5 speed or something. And Netflix straight up doesn't have that option. So you have to sit through the full, like, two-hour movie <laughs> again. But, I, I mean, it was more entertaining than the last one, I gotta say. <laughs> Now, before we get into reviews, do you guys have any predictions for KB3 Tokyo Drift? I feel like if Marco's... Because Marco and Chloe, I think, are still sticking around because they filmed two and three back-to-back, so all of the actors, I think, are just carrying on forward. But I feel like if they... Because Marco still likes Elle by the end of this, um, but my prediction is that Marco will get a new love interest, so that can be resolved that way. Not with, you know being secure in yourself and realizing it's a bad idea to go after a girl with a boyfriend, uh, he just straight up needs to get a different person and then that will be resolved. Yeah, and because this movie focused so much about her sort of choosing colleges, I think the next movie movie probably will be either super prolonging that decision (laughs) and uh, having her choose colleges for the whole movie, or She'll have picked one, and it'll be her in college. Which somehow she's got to run another casing booth at. Got to find another uh, dance team that only does Dance Dance Revolution. Amy, what do you think? This is what I hope. And Faye, I know you remember this part from the Wattpad story. I don't know if it made it to the published book. <laughs> I know, I know that we're on the same wavelength right now. But there is this part in the original Wattpad story that shook me and Faye to our cores when we first read it. And it hasn't happened in the first movie, hasn't happened in the second one. I'm hoping if the third one is the last one, it's got to happen in the third one. But there's a spark. There's an earthquake at school. She's like standing behind a, a, a shelf or something. The shelf falls on her. Maybe it's a huge bookcase, whatever it is. It falls on her. She has to be taken to the hospital. At the hospital, <laughs> the doc, the doctor's like, Elle, uh, you're going to be okay, but we don't know about the baby. And Elle's like, what do you mean? What baby? And they're like, oh, uh, straight up, you didn't know? You're pregnant. <laughs> I want that to happen so badly. <laughs> Faye is like <laughs> tweaking right now. She wasn't. Because both of you read, that was in the original story, right? That was uh that was in a Wattpad story. I'm not sure if it made to the published material. Maybe that was I don't know. Now I'm tempted to read the actual published material. <laughs> just 
Just to see if they've kept that most iconic thing, the thing that I remember most about that series, the earthquake. I'm also terrified that in the third movie that they're going to get engaged or something, even though they're like 18, 19, 20 max. I really hope that they do not get engaged um, because they're so bad for each other, Ellen Noah. They do not trust each other. They thought the whole time they were cheating on each other. It's just not a good situation. Um, I do hope Marco comes in between them again and maybe Elle will go with Marco this time because I think Marco is the, <laughs> not the one for her, but just the better choice in general. Talking about the uh, the books, though. Uh, so the second one came out earlier this year. I'm not sure if the author, Beth Rekels, wrote a third book yet that the third movie is based on, or if it, it could also be based on her short stories, The Beach House, or there's a road trip one. So maybe it's like, uh, I hope it's not this, but it could be Lee and Al go on a road trip the summer before they go off to college, and Al meets a whole new love interest. Wow, we love Thruffles. <laughs> I really hope that doesn't happen and we just get another, uh, here's a potential love. Uh, never mind. It's going to be Noah the whole time, you know, because uh, we know it's going to be Noah the whole time. We know it's going to be Noah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, but do we want to place our bets if she is going Berkeley or Harvard? Because she's got to choose. So we want to place our bets. I think I'm going to hope that she's going to go Harvard. I think she needs to learn <laughs> that these rules are not set in stone and plans are going to change, you know, relationships are going to change and she has to do her own thing and not be held back by her ridiculous rules with Lee. So I hope that she chooses Harvard over Berkeley. What do you guys think? I'm going to go the opposite. I think she's going to choose Berkeley because not just because of the ridiculous rules, but I think she's going to choose Berkeley and Marco's going to choose Berkeley. So we're going to get Lee, Elle, and Marco super heavily in the third movie. And then there's going to be, again, those long-distance issues with Noah. I think it's basically going to be this movie again, but at Berkeley. Faye, <laughs> what do you think? Huh, I feel like, I mean, speaking of me, not Elle, if you got into Harvard, you're going to Harvard. <laughs> um... Yeah, I do think what Ashley said makes sense because I think Lee was mad at Elle for being like, you're changing your whole life plan for a guy, Noah. And I'm like, her life plan before was entirely structured around a different guy, Lee. So like, neither of those options seem really good because it's not really about her choice. But I think maybe Berkeley is more likely for me because that's where her mom went. And I feel like I don't know anything about Elle or her, what her major is or anything, but I'm like, I feel that's the only reason for picking a school being like, I want to like honor my mom or something that I could kind of be okay with. Yeah, that's true. Um, maybe it'll be like she goes to Berkeley and she finds out all kinds of stuff about her mom that she didn't know before or something like that. I don't know. Um, also, we have no idea what anyone's major is or is going to be. So that is the real question <laughs> that we want answered in the third movie. 
So we've kind of talked about what we think about the movie. Now we're going to see what the internet thought about this movie. We have a couple reviews here by IMDb users that we're going to read out to you. The first one is by user Asfaralam, who gave it 2 out of 10, and their tagline is, Stupid movie, waste of time. Wasted two and a half hours for nothing. First, you can't how stupid Elle Evans' character was. Marco totally helped her in her all her achievements, and she ditched him and returned back to Noah. What was the writer thinking? Marco should have been paired at the end. I think Netflix did this to keep the franchise alive for part three. Uh, Faye, do you want to get the second one? Sure. This one is by Danny S. Garcia. Title is Cringy, Awkward, and Childish. Uh, this one was given two stars. I'm assuming out of ten, it doesn't say. Two stars. The first one was cute because Joey and Jacob were in love on camera, so the movie was kind of magical. This one was so bad. They were so awkward around each other, even by the phone. It was hard to watch. Their interaction were just too cringy and uncomfortable. The plot was meh. The love triangle or square square was done horribly. The two stars were for Joey and Joel. <laughs> uh, they were awesome together. They should have gone to that direction, aka best friends to lovers. It would have been much nicer. Interesting take. And the last review is by user Ival Yanni, who gave it a 4 out of 10, and their tagline is, it's still bad. But it's better than the first. It's not as annoying. I still hate Elle Evans as a character, though. The screenplay is bad and incredibly predictable. The main conflict is uninteresting. The gay subplot is nice because it involves a character that isn't Elle, but they didn't really find a way to make it work, so it felt really unnecessary. It was like Netflix's usual thing for including random gay characters just to prove that they're inclusive to guys. Uh, also, why does this movie have a Good Vibrations cover play at the end? That song is way too good for this trash. <laughs> All excellent points. Um, we also have a few letterbox reviews. These are all short and sweet. The first uh, letterbox review we have is by Lily, who gave it half a star out of five. Netflix releasing films like this and then asking for a monthly fee should be illegal. <laughs> The second letterbox review is by Shay Louise, who gave it half a star. I just know Zendaya bullies the fuck out of Jacob for being in these movies. I just know it. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. The third review is by Chloe, oh, interestingly enough, uh, who gave it one star. I see there's already a lot of good points on how absolutely absurd this movie is. However, personally... I'd like to draw attention to the fact that this man goes to Harvard and his verified Instagram bio reads fast bikes, dot, 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 football, dot, 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 ice cream sundae. What? <laughs> Wait, he was verified? Yeah, apparently. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the fourth letterbox review is by Sam BXVI who gave it half a star. Over two hours? Y'all think we want a director's cut of Kissing Booth 2? This shit could have been an hour if the fuckers just talked on the phone. The fact that two people of color were introduced just to be disposable for hurdles for this bland, white-ass relationship, dot dot dot. 
F. Gotta agree with them on that one. And the last review here is by Sophie, who gave it half a star. Elle tells Noah that she's going to treat him like her own personal jungle gym, and I have never slammed my laptop shut so fast in my life. Was that meant to be hot? Is this how adults think teenagers talk? Ew, yucky. Yeah, they had that problem in the first movie, too, where nobody talked like a real person. I think it got a tiny bit better in this movie, but it still wasn't um, great. There were still a lot of cringy moments in this one. Uh, now that we've, you know, gone over the reviews, we've gone over our final thoughts, uh, I guess it's time for our reviews now. Just for reference, IMDb gave this movie a 6 out of 10. Uh, and Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score is 27% and the audience score is 44%. So, not great. Also, just as a side note, when I was listening to our first episode, the IMDb review for the IMDb rating for the Kissing Booth 1 was 6.5 or something like that. I just checked yesterday. It's a six. So it went down uh, significantly in the last year. Again, just for reference, all the movies that we watch are on what we call the Goldblum scale, which is a scale of bad movies. A 10 out of 10 is not that bad for a bad movie. And a 1 out of 10 is so bad, I could barely finish it. Faye, our lovely guest today, what would you rate this movie on a scale of 1 to 10? Okay, I have an idea for this one, but uh, does Amy? Do you remember what we rated the first one on the on the podcast? All three of us gave it a solid zero. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, then I guess it went super up because I was thinking uh, for this movie, maybe because I was watching it with you guys also instead of just staring at the screen by myself uh, when I was watching the first one. But I was gonna give this like a solid like four because it was just so bad but it was funny to watch uh all these terrible people <laughs> be terrible to each other and have really bad uh, miscommunication i think at least in this movie like the like marco or chloe uh who's played by macy richardson sellers who i'm a huge fan of like at least those two characters didn't piss me off so there were there were like a couple characters in there that i could kind of root for so that's why it has gone up for me yeah, good point. I think similarly, uh, definitely up from a zero, I think I'm going to give this movie like a, a solid three. It was, for some reason, more entertaining than the last movie, even though it had a lot of the same problems and a lot of new ones. Not great, but you know, if you're there listening and you're not the type of person that watches bad movies with your friends, it's something I highly recommend because we had a lot of fun just just ripping into this movie while we were watching it. Regardless, though, solid three. Amy, what about you? I gotta agree with you. This is definitely a movie you should watch with other people so you can roast it. Uh, watching it alone was a completely different experience that I do not recommend, unless you're, like, a huge fan of the books or or uh, the original Wattpad story. Uh, maybe Maybe get some friends together for this one. Uh, there was, you know, no character development, like we said. It was only slightly better than the last one, but it was very long, especially if you're watching alone. So, uh, yeah, I guess 2.5 for me, I think. So if anyone 
who's listening has watched the Kissing Booth 2 or has predictions for Kissing Booth 3 or if you have uh, other bad movies you want to recommend to us, you can find us on Twitter or Letterboxd. We're at BMS Podcast. Or you could shoot us an email. Uh, we're Bad Movie Sunday Podcast at gmail.com. A uh, quick shout out to Amy's sister, our number one fan, <laughs> and those uh, people in Michigan and Virginia, I think. <laughs> in the meantime, we have been Bad Movie Sunday. I'm Ashley. I'm Amy. And thank you to our lovely guest today, Faye. You're very welcome. This was a very fun movie to watch with you guys and a very fun episode of the podcast to do. Oh, we're glad. I, again, it was uh, so much more fun watching it with you than it was the second time watching it alone. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on here. And we will see you next next week. Almost forgot our outro. <laughs>